Excuse me. 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 Welcome to the Morgan Dorks. We are your hosts, Rob Press. And Nissa Lee. So this is a bi-weekly Daria podcast. We're going to be breaking each episode down. Uh, that includes a plot overview, commentary, behind-the-scenes details, uh, some cultural context, you know, songs used during the original airing, and an overall ranking of episodes. Uh, I'm pretty psyched about that last one. I think it's going to be blood sport by the time we get to the end of the, uh, the series. But they'll be totally fair and scientific. Yes, they're going to be extremely scientific and reasoned and rational, and it's going to be amazing. So already you might be wondering, how much is there really to discuss about a show like Daria? Uh, it's a question that Nissa herself asked pretty much immediately. And the answer is, the earlier episodes don't have a whole lot of meat on their bones. Um, and even when we get toward the end of the series, it's not like breaking down fine literature. But this is a show that resonated with a ton of people in its day because it had some some truly important things to say about identity and, and figuring yourself out and social hierarchies and authority figures and race and class and you know, these are ideas that still apply today uh, and are definitely worth exploring within the context of the show and even you know in a, in a modern context to the point where the show is coming back um yay yeah uh, they they are revisiting it with daria and jody which should be fairly interesting i think the character of jody would be especially resonant today. So while it's true that there are aspects of the show that are somewhat timeless, it's still very much a product of its particular era. Uh, so we're going to also be taking a bit of a dive into the influences of the late 90s and early 2000s because that kind of stuff is is pretty essential to really understanding what made this show work so well. So what made the show work so well for 1997 Rob Press? Immediately, I was, I was interested in, you know, this was a, a smart, cynical protagonist who didn't really fit in. Adolescent Rob really appreciated, really appreciated that. So I've had a, a, I've had a few decades now to appreciate this show. And, and you know, I've, I've watched it all the way through, I think probably four or five times now. And also, you know, read reams of fan fiction and all sorts of stuff that we can definitely dig into later. I saw that face. Um, <laughs> fan fiction. Yeah, fan fiction. There's a lot of it for this show. Like I said, we may be digging into that later. Um, so I've I've had a few decades with this show, which I believe is the complete opposite of your experience. Yes. <laughs> I don't know why I'm here. <laughs> um, yeah, um... Adolescent Nissa Lee um, did not have cable television, so I I didn't get much of Daria during those formative adolescent years. Uh, a little bit, you know, I would go over friends' houses and, and watch a bit of MTV here and there, and I liked Daria for the fact that she was a female lead, right? You don't get a lot of female leads in television. Still um, not. Still, yes, television and movies, um, and especially a female lead like Daria, who is intentionally not appealing to the masses. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, she's uh, a smartass. She's acerbic and witty and uh, doesn't care 
what she looks like to other people, and I feel like that was very refreshing for a very young me uh, who was was very concerned about what people thought. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So I feel like, you know, even though I didn't get uh, to watch a lot of Daria, I felt like just her existing and knowing that she existed and, you know, seeing a few of those episodes here and there, you know, it did have an influence on, on me growing up. Uh, and, and one of the reasons that, that I wanted to bring you on, aside from the fact that we just don't hang out much anymore, uh, was, was that uh, I know that you have a, a, an analytical mind for, for character and story and, and breaking things down. And mostly it came from all the books that, <laughs> that you read instead of watching television <laughs> like I did and rotted my mind. <laughs> I um, think you're, you're doing okay, though. <laughs> Uh, but so the idea is, is to, to to bring someone in who you know doesn't know the show inside and out, doesn't fawn over it quite like I have, and so would be able to have more of an objective view of it and be able to sort of break down like some of the more interesting character interactions and some of the more interesting story beats, uh, especially moving into the later the latter part of the series where. There actually are like serialized elements, and there are parts of the show that aren't completely interchangeable. So I'm very much looking forward to you know how you see some of these characters versus you know some of these characters that you're either going to be meeting for the first time or you know have hardly any experience with versus the ones that I've known for two thirds of my life, which I hate saying it like that. I'll try not to crush your dreams. I appreciate that. <laughs> That's so nice of you. Uh, So basically what you have here is two early millennials talking about a show that was specifically made for Generation X. And it actually spun out of, I think, maybe the iconic Generation X program, uh, Beavis and Butthead, which is a show that neither of us have all that much experience with. Well... (laughs) We don't have fond memories of... (laughs) (laughs) My brother watched Beavis and Butthead do America over and over and over again. I, too, am guilty of that, I have to say. For some reason, Beavis and Butthead do America was a, pro- was a movie that I had and just watched, even though I hardly ever took in the actual show. The movie, it was, like, just watered down enough, I guess. Mm-hmm. Or, like, it had enough of a, a plot, I hesitate to say, to make it, you know, palatable to me, but... Uh, I sort of missed the boat on on Beavis and Butthead. You know, I was just a little bit too late for it. You know, in in many ways, like Beavis and Butthead is is sort of iconic for Generation X because that was a generation uh, of youth defined fairly or unfairly uh, by you know apathy and and independence and cynicism and and a distrust of authority. Uh, and while Daria isn't Beavis and Butthead, it's a very different show from Beavis and Butthead. It does carry some of that over. It's reflected pretty clearly in both Daria and Jane uh, and the world they see around them. You know, the parents are so work-focused that they're just not around. They're borderline negligent. <laughs> the principal is an authoritarian. You know, people are defined very rigidly by the roles that they have in the high school. So so there are a lot of factors there that, that have that sort of Generation X tinge to them. And toward the end of Beavis and Butthead's run, uh, the producers at MTV were looking to bring in a female demographic. They decided that Daria might be a good way to capture that, you know, through one of their already established properties. 
Because Beavis and Butthead is not bringing in the ladies. No, no. <laughs> Surprisingly enough, and the fact that whenever they had that, whenever they had the character of Daria come on, they called her Diarrhea. Um, yeah, did you not know that? I didn't know you that. You didn't know that? No, there was a whole thing. It was Diarrhea, Diarrhea, Cha Cha Cha. If I remember. Oh, that's correctly. what that's from. Yeah. Oh, so <laughs> you're familiar with Beavis and Butthead then? I'm familiar with yeah. Well, I <laughs> you remember. Just didn't know it. I did not know that. <laughs> I did not know that that phrase. Introduce you to the concept of Cornholio. I did not know that that <laughs> phrase had to do with Daria. Yep. Yep. Wow, I'm learning things. This is an educational podcast. That's um. So less than a year after Beavis and Butthead went off the air, Daria premiered. Um, but as part of that, as part of the pitch for the show, the producers Glenn Eichler and Susie Lewis, uh, they put together a five-minute pilot called "Sealed with a Kick," uh, and it never saw air. It never went on television, uh, but it has been on, I believe, DVDs and some VHS sets. Uh, so it's been around, and you can find it pretty easily. Uh, but we figured there's kind of no better place to start. Uh, so let's get into our beat by beat. So we open on Modern Day High, which is maybe the most pilot-ass name for a high school imaginable. Uh, and immediately, right off the bat, if you are familiar with the show but not the pilot, you'll notice that instead of our polished, colorful cartoon, we have a sort of like one frame every 10 seconds storyboard kind of feel. Daria, Jane, and Kevin are all sitting at a table in what might be a library. Uh, Daria and Jane are both writing while Kevin's reading an issue of Dangerous Muscle Enhancers magazine. <laughs> uh, Daria's pencil breaks and she asks if she can bar- uh, she asks if she can borrow Kevin's and he lets her. The pencil is a metaphor. Oh yeah. Yes. <laughs> or or should I say it's a symbol? It's a phallic symbol here. <laughs> there is I think no better entry to the beat by beat analysis for Nisali than the pencil is a metaphor. <laughs> At least Kevin sees it that way. Ke- Kevin absolutely sees it yes. that way. I don't think he would know to call it a metaphor, but he would Bless 100%. Him. <laughs> Bless his heart. So the bell rings. Daria and Jane are walking out of the library when Kevin comes running up after them. Uh, Daria remembers she accidentally held on to the pencil, uh, tries to give it back. Kevin, getting pushy, interprets Daria's holding on to the pencil as her trying to get his attention. He does this predatory lean yeah. against the lockers. Yes, and it's very weird. And, and he has this weird grin on his face. And and he's turning her down. Right. On top of the already serious weirdness of that predatory lean and like basically pinning her against the locker, he's also not hitting on her. Right. He's turning down her lack of advances. Yes. So it's just very weird, and it's and it's even weirder because this is not the Kevin that we know from the series proper. No, um, I know you've only seen a few episodes so yeah. far, <laughs> but you know you know Kevin is more of a lovable doofus. Yes, yes, almost exactly the words I was gonna, I was going to say, idiot. But yes, yes, um, in a football uniform, in a football uniform at all times. So he turns down uh, her lack of advances and insists they can still be friends. And then when she says, sure, he immediately asks to borrow science homework and then leaves. Jane suggests revenge and Daria's way ahead of her. Uh, I do think Kevin, while pretty gross in this exchange, 
uh, does have the line, it's like a fifth sense I've got. What is he referring to there? He's referring to Daria's advances. Ah, I know you none. want me. Yeah. It's like a fifth sense I It's like I a got. fifth sense I've got. Which I think is a Perfect. <laughs> so all the characters appear to be pretty well established, like even in this pilot, just in terms of their design and voice. Like Kevin is a little bit more subtle in, in voice. He's not more subtle than personality. No. He's much more gross and much less like outright stupid. Just a little bit more like smarmy, mm-hmm. which is not great. I'm kind of glad they decided to go in a different direction with that. He's also but, interacting a lot with Daria, where he doesn't yeah. really do that in the later episodes. No, not at all. Uh, it kind of it, sh- it goes in and out, which is which is weird. Like everybody, especially earlier on, everybody in the show seems to interact with Daria exactly as much as the plot needs them to, mm-hmm. which is it's weird to watch, especially if you're looking at it kind of as we are, where we're doing the beat-by-beat beat thing, and it's like, you know, why why would they even be here with each other? That's going to come up again in The Invitation two episodes from now. But you, know. but you digress. But I digress. <laughs> I will digress a lot. So I guess we cut to, at some point that night, Daria shows up at Kevin's door with a tray of heart-shaped cookies that she says she baked for him. I like that she brings the entire tray, not put them on a plate. Yeah, it's not on a plate. It's not It's not even wrapped. It's just a straight-up tray of cookies. Like, she could <laughs> straight not Straight from wait. the oven. Yes. <laughs> she could not wait. She got them out of the oven. She was like, he needs to see these right now, these beautiful things I've crafted. And he's standing in the front window of his house, lifting weights. So we do get to see him out of his uniform here. He has, oh, that's right. He yeah. has some curly hairs on his he chest. Does. And he's also, like jacked mm-hmm. which is not the kevin from the show because the kevin from the show the moment you get the pads off he's like a toothpick yeah and it's kind of amazing but this is a kevin who looks much more like actually like a lot of the guys who very inappropriately hit on quinn throughout the rest of the series so kevin tries to get a word in uh but she, but daria doesn't let him and she proceeds to turn his pushiness back against him she does the lean that predatory lean clarifying that the cookies are just to say no hard feelings about his turning her down. And in heart shape. In heart shape, yes. yes. Uh, and evacuating the area before he can say much of anything. I do think that the line, uh, I believe the line was, their heart shaped was amazing. Like, <laughs> the, the delivery on that was incredible. Well, we don't know because we can't actually see the cookies. Right, shape. they're just blobs. Yeah. <laughs> they might not actually be heart shaped. She might just be giving him a bunch of, like, a cookie, cookie turds. <laughs> He says they're good cookies. She might be like single white female in this kid. <laughs> oh, nothing. Even though we're kind of working with like one frame every five seconds or whatever, this Daria in in voice in action is so much more animated than the Daria we get throughout the rest of the show. One of the things that makes that most evident is the smile. Oh, the creepy smile. She smiles so creepily. Daria shouldn't smile with teeth. Huge, teethy, toothy smile. Yes, it's very toothy. Huge, toothy smile. Oh, it's got all the teeth. As opposed to the Mona Lisa smile of the rest of the series. At the pizza shop, Kevin and Brittany are talking when Daria surprises them. Uh, She sits next to Kevin in their booth and huddles up close, introducing herself to Brittany as Kevin's good friend. So again, a little bit more predatory action from Daria, and it's kind of amazing to watch. Uh, she leaves some extra homework with him and walks away, but the damage is done, and Brittany throws her drink in Kevin's face. Brittany's design? Yeah, let's talk about that. It's the stuff of nightmares! <laughs> it's so creepy and weird! Her, her eyes. eyes! Yes! 
Oh, how that, would you describe them? It's really tough to like they they have this sort they have this sort of like glassed over. They look like doll's eyes. Like they don't. They're very. They're a lot bigger than. Yeah, they're huge, but they register nothing. Mm-hmm. Like they they're just there and they're wide. They just like pierce. Uh, her voice though sounds more like Quinn's. Yeah, I can. I which, can. Yeah, and, and and Brittany's voice evolves significantly over the show. Like even in the first, even in the first season or so, that Brittany sounds completely different from season five Brittany, where they figured out the squeak and the sound that they really want her to make. And it's it's you're gonna have a lot of fun with that. Interesting. I, you don't you you haven't heard late stage Brittany yet. No. Late stage Brittany is offensive to the ears. Oh, great. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be a blast. We both get migraines. It's going to be awesome. Uh, let's see. Oh, uh, Daria asking Kevin, uh, which do you like better, the beach or the mountains? Yes. It's wonderful. Yeah, she's really turning the tables here. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, in in that like male predatory behavior, it's, it's all her right now. And, and you know, she doesn't care who's getting hit in the crossfire. Yeah. <laughs> That's right, Brittany is just totally, she's vestigial to this entire scene. <laughs> yes. It is all about Daria and, and how she can mess with Kevin some more. And what I love about the interaction throughout the throughout the pilot is that it takes a while for Kevin to realize what's going on. <laughs> I don't know if he ever actually realizes that she's sure fucking either. with him. <laughs> but, <laughs> but he's enjoying the attention. Oh, yeah. For, for some time. that Of course, you know, he has to assure Brittany that nothing's going on. <laughs> uh, but he's enjoying the attention that he's getting from Daria, and he thinks that it's genuine. Uh, so, so it's really showing just how oblivious he and the other men... <laughs> it's, it's painting a picture for how men are going to be throughout, exactly. throughout much of the series. Most of the men in this series are just total toss aside. They barely even have names. The three that do end up having... I'm speaking, of course, of like the men that like wander in and out of every episode. The romantic interests. Yeah, yeah. Romantic um, is maybe pushing it a little bit. Yeah, probably. Like Even the, the three that show up over and over again, Joey, Jeffy, and Jamie, um, yes. they have completely interchangeable names. They have three completely interchangeable personalities. The only thing really different about them is like their looks. And the show has no problem just totally treating them like the garbage that they are. And yeah, it's a, it's a lot of fun. And <laughs> uh, in Dara's interactions with Kevin here and her immediately taking the reins of this situation, uh, we're sort of seeing kind of the, the proof of concept of what this show is going to be and, and, and sort of the, the feminist lo- uh, line that this show is going to take. She's the high school girl that gets pinned against the locker and gets hit on by the quarterback and yada yada. She's not that. Like, that's not her character. She is the one who receives those actions but then immediately flips it around and proceeds to spend her next week just screwing with this guy as much as she can because it's fun to her to mm-hmm. mess with him because she's not passive. No matter how much the monotone voice says differently. Yes, exactly. So the next day at school, Kevin opens his locker to a bouquet of flowers with a note that reads, Thank you for letting me give you homework, XOX. Uh, Kevin decides to track Dari down. She's in shop class. And she's running a friggin' portable circular saw when Kevin, trying to shout over it, tells her that he and Brittany decided to see other people. And that Daria is, quote, next on the list or whatever. Or whatever. (laughs) I love that. First of all, I love that this high school 
just lets their students hold straight up portable circular saws, which... And it's on just this long science kind of table. Yeah, it's just on right? a table. It's just it's... on a table. It's, it's it's totally not safe at all. No, there's nothing... <laughs> there's. I like that I'm worried about that. I'm worried about Daria's safety. But these here. are the things we have to know. She's wearing <laughs> goggles. Yes. I, if, so, so she's got that going for her. <laughs> I'm trying to remember back to high school shop class. I'm, I know we ended up running some pretty dangerous equipment because that's yeah, high school shop class. but it was class. in a specific room for shop class. Yes. Not in a room that looks like it's set up for, like, art. I'm, I'm pretty there, sure the rest where... of the people have just, like, little pots in their hands. <laughs> <laughs> so Lawndale's short on space, so the teachers all have to share. <laughs> so, you know, the, the English teacher leaves, and then in comes the shop teacher with his portable circular saws and his table saws and his you know various implements of destruction and then procedures to tell the students to have at it because she is just like cutting a block of wood yes because she's badass is the point yes yes I, I do love that when kevin actually comes to hit on her legitimately she is holding this extremely powerful weapon <laughs> that could emasculate him yes running with the metaphor yes if we're if we're gonna go if we're <laughs> if the pencil is a metaphor, <laughs> that saw could totally that saw could wreck totally, that pencil. And she absolutely is cutting into wood. <laughs> so Daria tricks Kevin into trying to yell over the saw again, uh, but this time she turns it off so the whole class can hear him. She then proceeds to turn him down in front of the whole class, noting that it might ruin their friendship. So Kevin gets humiliated, and his classmate calls him, I believe, a loser. Yes. Really classic move on Daria's part. Oh, it's great. Uh, at the Morgendorfer family dinner that night, it's revealed someone left Daria a number of messages. Uh, before she has a chance to duck it entirely, the doorbell rings. Daria answers to find Kevin there with a bunch of flowers. Uh, he tells her that he isn't giving up on them. Um, them. There's a them. Yeah. <laughs> I think we would both agree that, that Daria and Kevin have a very special thing going <laughs> at this point. I don't know if it's what Kevin thinks it is, but it is a really special thing. Uh, Quinn interrupts to Kevin's surprise and ends up immediately getting his attention. Uh, he tosses the flowers behind his back, which I think is amazing, and does probably what he thinks of as letting Daria down gently. And I like that the the shot is completely different here, where they're facing each other against a starlit night. <laughs> <laughs> and, he, and he's like, uh, you know, I, I, I can't see you. <laughs> <laughs> a couple of things of oh, note, like Helen sounds completely different. Jake and Quinn are about about where they're at during the series. They're maybe a little less pronounced, kind of like a lot of the early series voices are way less pronounced anyway. Like I kind of want to show you an episode from season five, just so you can see where those characters end up. It's a good idea, so I can get an idea early on just just where just what kind of hell ride you're on yes <laughs> where i'm headed uh, I, think, I mean you know if i'm going to mordor and going to throw the ring into the, <laughs> into the fires of mount doom i should i should at least know that there's fire <laughs> nobody said anything about all this i didn't even know is this far away uh let's see um Daria getting interrupted by the doorbell and saying, I was just about to open up with Helen going, do you think she meant it? It's such a shame that that, kind of, that, that never ended up in the actual like series. Right. Because that's such a great line. 
I don't know if uh, the series Helen actually cares enough to say that. That's a really good point. <laughs> She's a bad mother. <laughs> She's just... A professional woman. Yeah, yeah. It, it's unfair to say she's a bad mother. Uh, especially because she does come through for her daughters pretty significantly, Like especially later on in the series. Like There's a couple things that are jumping out to mind right now. But they very much want to frame her as you know that classic Generation X, like, this lady is hardly around because she's trying to provide and she's trying to do all the work that she needs to do. And she's trying to be a professional woman and not just... How dare she? Yeah, right. Like she's trying not to be defined by her role as a mother mm-hmm. um, or as a homemaker. You know, she, she wants to be uh, the best she can be. And that means sacrifices. Even in the pilot, Quinn doing everything she can to distance herself from her sister. Oh, Quinn. And also the pizza place exterior is exactly the same. The Morgendorfer house looks totally different. The high school looks totally different. But the pizza place exterior, it's like they got that storyboard together and they said, cut, print, wrap, we're good. Yeah, well, really all pizza places do look the same, right? It's a great point. <laughs> it's a strip mall pizza place. It's just like the window. You have the, the possibly a little offensive stereotype drawn in right. it, like holding up the pizza. The orange booths. Yeah. At the pizza place, uh, Jane expresses surprise that Daria's not get, not trying to get revenge. Uh, Daria says she's letting Quinn take care of that. Elsewhere, Quinn's in a car with Kevin. Her beeper goes off, and Kevin's frustrated. She immediately... While the car is rocking. <laughs> Don't beep me. <laughs> also, this car is in the middle of a field. Like, it's not even... They're not trying to hide here. No, no. It, it's... In the middle of like this big, wide, starlit field. It's not like a make-out point or anything. It's like he drove her into the sticks. She immediately shuts him down. He apologizes, and she demands he take her to a payphone. Quinn's pretty strong here. Yes, yes. She's like way more assertive, which is kind of interesting because of where she ends up in the early stages of the show. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's a I shame a, it didn't carry over. I have a bit of a soft spot for Quinn, I think. <laughs> I don't, I don't know why. I, I still have to explore this a little bit. <laughs> it's probably the baby tea. I don't know. <laughs> but I, I, I think seeing her in the early episodes, and we're getting ahead of ourselves there, seeing her in the early episodes, um, you know, laugh at jokes that aren't funny mm-hmm. uh, just to keep on a guy's good side. Yeah, just to keep, like, playing the game. It's really heartbreaking. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, I feel for her a little bit, but I really like to see a strong Quinn in this pilot. Yeah. Uh, and and the thing with Quinn is they're very quick to play up that she is your typical shallow teenage girl and she's like doing all the things that typical shallow teenage girls might do like joining the fashion club and, and picking apart picking people apart and making fun and all that. But they do they do go out of their way uh, again I feel like I keep saying that like especially as the show moves on like they go out of their way to draw a distinction between Quinn and the rest of the fashion club uh, where she's very clearly smarter than all three of them and she's very clearly more capable than all three of them and it's just trying to appease them a lot of the time and it is it's really it's heartbreaking like it kind of sucks to see that but that's also something that we wouldn't get to explore at all if she wasn't there because mm-hmm. Daria and Quinn don't have that or Daria and Jane don't have that at all mm-hmm. um, Daria is very much about her principles and if you're not on board with them then 
too bad. Yeah, Quinn seems to sacrifice a lot of herself in order to fit in. Yes, yes. Uh, so that is the pilot. It's short and sweet. It's five minutes long. Um, it doesn't have a whole lot of plot to it necessarily. It kind of gets there and gets out. But it says a whole lot about where they had these characters at, like in their heads when they were building the show. And a lot of it does end up carrying through. And it's pretty interesting to watch. It, it's, it's delightful. <laughs> delightful. <laughs> I love it. So what we're going to be doing in episodes going forward is we're going to be um, including like some of the songs that were used. I say including. We're going to be mentioning some of the songs uh, that were used uh, during the initial broadcast. Uh, a lot of those songs did not actually get carried over into the VHS and DVD versions because the licensing would have just been What about Hulu? Horrendous. Are they... Nope. No? Not on Hulu either. Okay. Which it's a real bummer uh, because the music was, I think, a lot like... A lot like Scrubs, music was a big part of the show. The same thing happened with The State. Yes. Another MTV show. Yeah. Um, you know, music played a huge part in The State, and uh, the, the music is the later releases just not there. It's yeah. actually really awful. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, it, it sucks because I think Scrubs and The State get hit by that harder than Daria does. I think Daria still works to some extent. There are a couple moments where it's just, oh man, they could have gotten something better than this like elevator music to play over this particular scene. But it is a bummer it, it, for for licensing to have sh- moments in the show so well defined by the music that was involved in them to be tarnished slash defined by licensing problems is such a bummer. Um, yeah. And I'm a, I'm a gigantic fan of Scrubs, uh, and to watch those episodes now, it's it's difficult because it's not as good. You know, it's it does take something away, as you said, with the state. We're also going to be uh, toward the end of each episode doing our episode rankings, uh, where we are going to decide, you know, on the great glorious list of every Daria episode plus the movies, where does this fit? Is this better or worse than Die, Die, My Darling? Is this better or worse than the Daria musical? Which is just called... Oh, there's a musical. It's just called Daria with an exclamation point. You get to hear Daria sing. It's really something else. Looking forward to that. I can't tell if you're serious. I'm not sure if I am. (laughs) We get to hear Daria sing twice in this entire series. One is in the next episode we're going to do, Esteemsters, the official pilot, I guess. And the other is Daria the Musical. She sings exactly how you think she would sing. I'll put it that way. Yeah. And I'm, like I said earlier, I'm very much looking forward to the episode ranking thing. I kind of want to include this pilot on those rankings just to see where it ends up. Okay. Um, Obviously for now, this is one episode. So... So we just have... We just have the the one episode. Yes, it is both the best and worst episode of Daria that we have looked at so far. What if the pilot ends up on top at the end? That would be... Mm. (laughs) That would be some remarkable revisionists. I I would have to... You would have to do some amazing rhetorical... (laughs) Some amazing rhetorical shenanigans to end up with the pilot at the very top. Here's my song and dance. (laughs) <laughs> but we'll see. That's I think that's a lot of the fun of it is because we're coming at it from such different places and because 
you because of the way you see story and everything over the way that I'm just like, oh, my characters. Um, <laughs> I'm really looking forward to sort of the back and forth about that and the point where we're like 35 episodes in and I'm like, I think this is episode number 13 on this list and you just look at me like, are you a fucking idiot? <laughs> We're gonna have to, we're gonna have to keep very good notes because my memory is shot. <laughs> this is really going to try my memory. <laughs> same here, same here. But you've watched it four times over. <laughs> I'm not gonna deny that I will have an inherent advantage going into the episode rankings. I'm just going to have to fight harder, I suppose. But I have no problem believing that you will win a lot of the time. Is the thing. I'm usually right. That's the... <laughs> that would do it. That would do it. Put that on there. That's absolutely going in there. Are you kidding me? That's fantastic. <laughs> so, so, sealed with a kick. It is number one on our list. It just happens that our list is only one long. We will at some point make that make that list like publicly accessible, so people will be able to just see where it's at, and then you know you can debate it amongst yourselves or like send us really mean tweets about it. I don't know. Um, we do have a Twitter. It is at MorganDorks. Uh, right now, there's nothing at all on it. Hopefully, there will be some stuff on it by the time we actually put this out. Yes. Um, we will also have uh, a website, which I believe will be MorganDorks.Podbean.com. That's P-O-D-B-E-A-N.com. Uh, and I believe those are all the ways right now that you can get in touch with us. If we think of more, we'll put them out there. I think it's good to start it's good with to start those there. things. Yeah, let's just, you know, let's see what the people want, and then we'll go from there. And if they decide they really want Facebook, then all right, Facebook, whatever, I don't care. Um, if they decide they just want to send us postcards, that's cool. That would be amazing. That would be pretty awesome. We'd need a P.O. box, though. We absolutely would need a P.O. box, <laughs> and we would, make, we would need to make sure to not become too big. <laughs> yes. We would need to immediately hinder the evolution of this podcast. We might need a police dog as well. <laughs> Perfect. You know, the budget for this thing was pretty low right up until we had to get the police, the dog. police dog. He eats a lot. He's a very hungry boy. All right. All right. <laughs> we, have to, well, we also have, to, we have, a, we have an email address. We have, Morgan, oh, right. we have morgandorks at gmail.com. So... You can reach us there if, if you want to do that and avoid Twitter like we would all like to. We're aiming to release every two weeks. You said that already. Oh, yeah. Well, I said bi- bi-weekly. Bi-weekly. Which could be... Twice a it week. It could be twice a week. It is not twice Language a week. Language is funny that Language way. Language is weird. So, yeah, we will be releasing every two weeks. That is the aim thus far. Obviously, we'll let you know if anything along those lines changes. But uh, I believe that about wraps it up. So, all right. Thank you very much, Nissa, for joining me on this big dumb journey that we're going on. Thank you, Rob, for inviting me. And we will be back in two weeks for the rest of you on this big dumb journey with us here on Morgan Dorks, a Daria podcast. <laughs>